Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. As always, we'll thank our friends, New Iberia, Louisiana, Louisiana Hot Sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic title sponsor of the Nolcast for six years now, and their friends over at Tarpon Cellars Wine. Uh, Go to tarponcellars.com, browse there, find selections of wines, uh, both individual uh, bottles and kind of kits, uh, gift kits that they put together. Use coupon code NOLCAST or 20% off. Know that you're both uh, supporting the NOLCAST and a Florida State-owned business at the same time. But Bud, uh, we'll jump into the Clemson preview here. So interesting game. Enjoyed your uh, instant reaction. Got to say, in my heart of hearts, I'd convinced myself Florida State was going to win that game until about three minutes left in it. And uh, same harsh reality sat in. But uh, yeah, interesting game. I'm I'm excited about where the conversation takes us tonight. Yeah, man. Uh, I you know uh, we got some feedback on on the instant reactions. Some people thought it was too negative. Other people thought you know hey, it was refreshing. The honesty. I, I look. I I think every every show out there is trying to give their honest opinion. Uh, you know, mind of this game, I I thought FSU. I I guess I went into this game more negative than anybody else. Anyway, like I don't know. I I I think I'm the only guy that thought Clemson would win by by ten. You know, and that's not like a hey I'm right thing. It's just looking through that lens. Maybe I shouldn't have been as negative as I was in the instant because it kind of went to largely to expectation uh, for me there. You know, I guess if I was somebody who would picked up a shoe to win or even win big um then i would have been i guess more negative but you know i did the rewatch and i went back and there were some things i liked ultimately though uh the one thing that's very clear to me with rewatch and i, I think i probably knew this on on saturday evening fsu can play its best game it's not going to be Clemson and Clemson unless Clemson gives it the game. They are not good enough. Like they can stand there and throw their best punch and Clemson can take it. They need Clemson to slip on a banana peel on the way back to the corner. Right. And then they can jump on them for the pin They They just don't have the horses or I think in some spots, the coaching to take down a team as talented as Clemson right now. I think they're improving. They're clearly an improved football team over what they were last year. I mean, the latest SP Plus has FSU 37th, right? The mark we said we'd feel very happy with the improvement this season was 50th. So that's fairly clear of that bar. Um, you know, that's that's they're making a whole lot of improvements. I think Mike Norvell is a good head coach. I went, I actually pulled the data here. Uh, for the going for fourth down decision everybody's giving him hell for. Guess what? Actually, one of his better decisions of the year, uh, according to All Sports Fourth Down, which is the uh, the, the college-specific model. Uh, team is a 10-point underdog, trailing by three points early in the third quarter, over under a 46, so that would perfectly describe this game, right? Expecting a low-scoring game, 10-point dog, uh, have, have the ball, how many timeouts left, all that stuff plugged in. Uh, guess what, man? They increased their win probability by 5.1% over punting the ball there. If they decided to kick a field goal, actually it would have reduced their win probability by by a ton, but that would have been like a 70-yarder. So um, anyway, Mike, again, coaching to win the game, and they did create some explosive plays against Clemson via basically purely via scheme, right? They were able to scheme some guys 
wide open. Now, it was a tremendous individual play for Toa Philly to finish the runoff, but uh, for the most part, both touchdowns came on scheme. Right? They, they, they went to empty. Clemson didn't follow. They, they, they threw the, the, the quick, you know, quick screen over there, and then they get the running back on the wheel route. They didn't score any other times. They really didn't have any other decent drives other than that. Like the offense, uh, the offense just got physically whipped. And, you know, defensively, the disappointing thing here, and and I thought FSU would give up 30. I thought they'd give up 30 because they would give Clemson really good field position, you know? And I guess that's my one disappointing thing for the defense. They allowed three touchdown drives of what, 85, 73, and 58, I think. I mean, that's an average of almost 70 yards. You know, three touchdown drives of that length is disappointing. We can talk about the bad calls, and I think the one PI call was was pretty sketch. I think the other one was pretty legit, by the way. He got there early, he never turned around and played the ball. If, you, if you're the ref, you're not only looking at the contact, you're also seeing, hey, this guy is burnt. The other dude is running. He's trying to make up that ground. Oh, look at that. He's in he's in such an out-of-control mode that he crashes into him without looking back for the ball. That that PI call, I totally don't think FSU fans have any justification to bitch about. The Knowles one, I actually kind of get the, the complaining because I, I think he timed it up much closer. Now, I can see how it's called. I don't think it's the most egregious call of the year, uh, but, you know, it, it, it's, it is what it is. There's no face guarding in college football. That's true. If you do get your head turned around, if you're in a little better position, then you probably don't get called for that. I just, I don't know, man. It's tough for me to sit here and praise the defense when they basically allow Clemson to have like their best offensive day of the year. And okay, on the plays where they do play really well, it's for the most part you get some some defensive line transfers who probably aren't going to be here next year. You know. And they're making great individual plays. It'd be pretty remarkable if one of them is, certainly. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you've been – you hit home runs uh, from, uh, along a lot of the uh, defensive transfers. And i got to give a kid credit. This isn't exactly going in order. But uh, there's been three times this year that I've been pretty certain Dylan Gibbons wasn't going to play. And he played all three times. A uh, kid is putting it out there for a program that he's just gotten into. And you know, tip of the hat to him because it – would have been easy for him not to play in many of those games, if not all of them. So uh, credit to you there, Dylan. And one of the more sobering moments of the game I had before I got all uh, drunk on the idea that Florida State might win the game was the first time that we pulled Gibbons uh, and I saw him moving and I could tell that that was a labored uh, motion that otherwise you hadn't seen from him. So um, limited what you could do up there. But back to what we're talking about, the defense. Um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating to let Clemson, I mean, Clemson did, certainly didn't catch the world on fire. Um, but it is frustrating to let them have the best day of the year. Uh, not wildly uncommon when you look at what, uh, you've done with other teams. I didn't think I was almost happy to kind of let five have, um, some fleeting success, uh, kids, uh, a physical specimen, but at this point, not somebody that I've thought posed a whole lot of damage to you. And if he was going to make a, you know, like the, what was an out throw, like a 15 yard out, it was one of the better passes yeah. I've seen him make all year. Um, okay. He's got, he's got a gun. Let him throw that. I mean, he, he's not going to beat, maybe if he strings four of them together, that's fine. But uh, 
you know, keep him in the game. And ultimately, I thought he would, uh, you know, probably make a mistake that you could capitalize on and uh, one that was, you know, more than just the one interception that you got off him. So um, it's it's tricky with your defense. I do think that they've improved. I think this kind of naturally leads us to the conversation about the future of the coordinator position. Uh, what I would say on Saturday is not like a fireable offense per se, uh, but it is another kind of tick in the uh, check <laughs> check box of frustration with your defensive coordinator. Uh, I think it would be rough to label it anything other. At the same time, you have to realize that, yes, you've gotten some nice pieces <clears throat> up front, but Man, we knew that was going to be a tough matchup for Lundy from the from the preview series. And I thought Lundy played pretty well in the second half of the game. Certainly nice to have a linebacker that when he does tackle somebody, forward momentum stops. It's been a while since Florida State's had something like that. Um it's a it's a it's frustrating for me, particularly frustrating, bud, because I Clemson didn't give you the game, but Clemson performed in a manner that was sloppy enough that lets you be you uh, have a real legitimate chance to win it there. Uh, Dabo made some really bad decisions on fourth down, I think. Very and questionable the, the decisions. The numbers bear that out. Very questionable Those decisions. Those two goals were not good calls. So, ultimately, didn't come to fruition. I mean, there's, uh, you know, if we want to stay on the defensive side, we could start the secondary and work our way forward, is obviously most of what we're going to say about the defensive line is, is pretty positive, not just from 11, but Cooper, I thought, played really well as well. Uh, but well, we'll start with Travis well. J, man. We've got some questions about this. Uh, frustrating to see him kind of struggle in the situations in which I thought he would excel, uh, which are kind of one-on-one physical matchups. Uh, it's just a continuation of a theme that's been present since game one where he's there uh, and just the play doesn't get made for whatever reason. And for a guy that, had as much hype, and I will raise my hand and say that I contributed to that. Uh, he's had a a disappointing year, and it's hard to hard to label it anything else so far. I agree with you, man. Like he's just he's not, and they he basically got benched. Yeah. He wasn't playing a whole lot in the second half. I I, I know Trey sent us a, a question. Hey, like what adjustments did you see? They they really didn't wait to the half to make that. They they set him down fairly quickly. Um, Physically, he's still a really, really good athlete. Again, I know you and I both said I'm not sure how healthy he is, and I, I know he's tried to battle through some stuff. Is he all there mentally, like, checked in, you know, consistently? I don't know about that. Uh, some people want to see him play receiver in in, in the comments. Right, possibly. Uh, it's also possible that maybe he goes somewhere and gets a fresh start. That's not uh, me saying he's going to transfer. That's just me saying it is the transfer portal era. And uh, if he did want to go somewhere, I know there's plenty of teams that would probably take a chance on him just with his his highlight tape coming out and his ability. Uh, but, I mean, look, it is on staff to get the most out of him. Athletically, he's one of your most physically impressive guys. That's what you're paid to do as a coach. And he's not performing right now. And I'll give them credit. They have some other guys who are coming along fairly nicely in the back end. I mean, they, they think they have hits with Cooper and Knowles, and uh, I don't know if those guys are going to be superstars, but they certainly appear to be uh, good players or, well, promising players. I don't mm-hmm. want to call them good yet, certainly. They're, they're not good yet, but they're promising. 
But I mean, if you want this, this thing to take another step, you, you need to get something out of Jay. Yeah. You know, all, all, the, all the hype we heard from the, from the staff in, in the preseason about Jay needs it, to come it, through. It's hard to try to give the staff uh, a not necessarily a break, but uh, a, a point where you reference some lack of talent and then um, also not note that the perhaps the most physically talented individual on the defensive side of the ball, at least not on the defensive line, doesn't look as though he's been developed at all uh, through through six games this year um, or seven games, I guess, at this point. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. Uh Okay, so we talked about like what does a Florida State win look like in this game? How would it happen? And I think we both thought they would need to hold Clemson to the teens, you know, um, right? I believe low twenties. Like, I mean, I think I said twenty four, twenty one. It would be a a way that they could win. But yeah, I mean, somewhere between sixteen and the very low twenties. So the game book is different than the stat broadcast. The game book says they give it 430 yards. Stat broadcast says 377. I think it's actually 377, right? Um, you know, to me, they just did not get enough punts forced, turnovers, or, or turnovers on downs. Like, that's what it comes down to. Clemson routinely moved the ball on them. They didn't always score, but Clemson kicked four field goals and scored – Three touchdowns, right? And a defensive touchdown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's their best effort of the year point output-wise. That's their best effort of the year scoring opportunity-wise. Yes, they did score a defensive touchdown as well. They also scored three, three offensive touchdowns. If you take away the defensive touchdown that was allowed, which, okay, granted, it was one of the more fluky ones we've seen of the entire year, Let's say Clemson makes two field goals, not not all three, right? Let, let's let's say they make they make two of those misses because he had a forty-seven, a forty-nine. Uh, well, he made the forty-seven, so he missed a forty-nine, a thirty-seven, and a thirty. Let's just say he makes a thirty-seven and a thirty, and you wipe away the defensive score because that was pretty fluky. They're still scoring thirty points. Some of that credit needs to go to Clemson as well. They did get some things figured out. They did not quit. I don't know, man. Um, like, he, here's my take on it. The defense has a lot more talent than the offense. And the results do not reflect that. That's the best way I can put it. Yeah. It would yeah, not shock fair. me if the first guy drafted off this offense is, is, is McLean. Staff will tell you that's their opinion. I mean, you know, I, I've said that maybe Corbin gets drafted. We'll see. You know, you know we'll see. <clears throat> yeah, it, it is. It's real frustrating that, uh, you know, you had a you had kind of, in my opinion, the loose series of events necessary uh, for you to win a game. You had a wildly inconsistent day from their special teams as far as their kicker. You get a um, I don't want to call it flukish per se, but you get a you create a defensive turnover that turns into six points for you. Um and you have a play with Tofili that, you know, we'll probably see once every 10 years or something like that. You know, I mean, 50-yard gains, 50-yard gain. I give you credit for that. Wonderful drawn-up play. There were, I'm not a huge, uh, like, lover of what Dillingham does. I'm not a real hater either. But I'll tell you, there were many times in the first half where I was like, 
Kenny Dillium. Oh, I like what you just created there. Credit to you, man. Um, I don't know that he you might... score a touchdown. If I mean, obviously, we're just talking hypotheticals. I'm, I'm not sure you score six if he is dragged down there at the 2025. But well, based uh, on the other 11 drives in which he didn't score and really didn't move the ball at all, I I, mean, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I do so. think he and Mike are a pretty good combo for an offense that uh, really lacks talent. Like they find ways to trick people. They're they're kind of magicians in in, in that way. Uh, what are you, 11th in explosive uh, play percentage or whatever, according to David Hale? I mean, you, there's some yeah, there's some really interesting things as to give <laughs> they're, you some perspective. They're 97th in, thir- in three and out percentage and 8th in marginal <laughs> explosiveness. Okay. Right. You know, I yeah. mean, they are 124th in power success, which means like short yardage, they can't block anybody oftentimes. We've um, known this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like all the passing numbers are horrendous because – you know, they don't really have a passing quarterback and their receivers are terrible. And, you know, their best tight end is Cam McDonald and pass pro isn't really their thing. Um, and yet they find ways like to hit explosive plays, which is just about the only way this offense is going to survive at all, you know. Uh, but this game did illustrate to me the the limits of what you can do with this QB, but also with this QB combined with this offensive line in its current state, combined with this receiver room, combined with McDonald going down against the defense that I actually increased to second in the nation, right? I, I bumped them slightly over Wisconsin. They're, they're still pretty far behind Georgia, I think. Uh, but, I mean, that's a hell of a defense that you just face. And NC State's got a really good one, too, but I don't think it's quite on that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just to briefly mention next week, I guess. But, um, you know, when I look at Fuller's defense, man, they're making improvements. They are definitely better than they were early in the year, and he deserves credit for that. But if you're evaluating the full season, you also have to look at the Jacksonville State game, which he botched, right? You also gave up a whole lot of points to another Dame team that hasn't hasn't dropped a whole lot of points on everybody. Yep. You also were basically, you know, night-night termite first half against Wake. Just didn't get stops there. You gave up, what, 35 to Louisville in the first half? I mean, we could say, oh, they shut him down in the second half, but you know my opinion on that. To me, they have one good game they've played. One. It's UNC. And the majority of the games, I feel like the opponent played above expectation or at least met expectation as to what they could get offensively. If you told Clemson they would only punt, have a turnover, or turnover on downs on a third of their drives, they're taking that all day. I just don't think this defense is playing to its talent level. And I understand yep. they have some talent deficiencies in some spots, but I, I don't see it. Uh, it'll be really interesting, man. I when, when, when It'll be really interesting, man, is a very vague and ambiguous <laughs> comment made about Fuller's job security. Um, I don't think any decision's been made at this point. Uh, I don't think that... Uh, I don't know this with certainty. I'm just giving you my feedback. Uh, if the season were to end today, I don't know that he would lose his job. Uh, I I personally think a lot of it will have to do with how Florida State looks against Miami. Uh, so we'll see. I just think that there's a evaluation that are still being made, and I don't know that anybody's made a full decision as to whether or not he'll be retained or ultimately let go. I, I personally think that uh, – 
probably 65-35 that he probably should be let go at this point. Um, there's some very disappointing things that have transpired, and certainly the final play against JSU is a fireable offense in and of itself. Uh, but I don't know that uh, we're necessarily just playing out the season here either. Uh, I think that there's a, still an active evaluation going on of a defense coordinator. I don't think he's much of an asset in recruiting, and so he's not. He's not. Right? I mean, we can just say yeah. that. I, I, that's not a. That's not an opinion. That's more. Fact. I think they should be better. I do, and I understand they have limitations. I just don't think they're playing at their talent level personally. Um, and I also worry. So here's the other thing, right? Is this defense going to be better next year? If it is, you hit home runs in the transfer portal that are hard for us to see on the landscape or on the horizon right now. Right. Because you lose Jermaine Johnson, you lose Thomas. I would expect Lovett to go pro. He hasn't announced that, but, I mean, the guy's having a really nice year, and, I mean, he's publicly discussed, you know, his family situation. So yeah, I would I expect that's fair game. to go pro. I, yeah. I would I would say it's 90-10 at this point that Fabian's playing on Sundays. And, and your defensive line backups, I think, are probably a year away, meaning, like, you could have a nice defensive line in 23. I don't think you'll have a nice defensive line in 22, just based on – you know, all this attrition they've suffered. Um, so do you need to get somebody in here to install their their stuff in 22 in order to have a good defense in 23? That's kind of the question in my mind. And I think you got some good defensive coaches, right? I, I think Papuchas is doing a really good job. On defense, I would agree. Yeah. 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 Um. And obviously, those guys are, are, are strong recruiters as well. Well, so. maybe it, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think you uh, your defensive interior coach is a is a legend and has done a great job yet again. Although at some point, he's going to make a decision to not be a position coach anymore. Uh, and uh, you know, maybe you do a full evaluation of where you want to go with that linebacker and, and defense coordinator. Sure. Um, all right. So hypothetically, if these are the point totals in the four remaining games. What happens? NC State scores 28. Miami scores 30. Boston College scores 28. Florida scores 38. That's what I have right now. You have a new defense coordinator. Next okay. Year. That's, that, I, I agree there. Uh, you better beat Miami or Florida. That, that's. I agree. By the way, uh, that number for BC is not adjusted enough. So I, I, okay. I need to, like, I, I, I do my injury adjustments weekly, but like, good God, if if, if they score 28 with Grossell, You're, yeah. then I don't need to see the Florida game. Just leave them on the tarmac. <laughs> uh, good God. Well, yeah. After what they score, six against Syracuse? Yeah. I mean, I, I know we do this every week. Uh, that That's that's a crappy situation for that coach there to lose, um, to lose your COVID because he was playing really well. I mean, the guy, you yeah. know, Guy had a 13.8 adjusted yards per attempt when he goes down. The backup has a six to seven touchdown interception ratio and a 4.6. Uh, Quite off. Yeah, that's that's not gonna not gonna work for BC there. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Uh, anyway, do you think that they will? And part of this we can say for the NC State preview, but. How much do you worry about about the emotional letdown coming off that game? Uh, I, I won't listen to it. I'll put it that way, bud. I mean, I, I don't think in your heart of hearts you 
are at a place where you can be all that disappointed if you lose to Clemson. You know, you went up there, played really hard. But um, the kids believed. Believed. Hell, you and I believed. I believe. Third quarter. When we, we, when we, we were going to do a, uh, a dual instant reaction, and I can tell you that I uh, started turning all my lights and stuff in here in the fourth quarter to make sure that I was I was ready to go. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, you, you, you've you got NC State, Miami. You've got a, certainly a whole lot of red meat in front of you to try to grab kids' attention and, and not have them languish on the idea that they lost, you know, traveled to Clemson, played well, or at least played hard uh, and lost. So I, I would hope that there's no emotional hangover present. I don't think as a program you're really in a place to, to have that. We'll see. Yeah, I, 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 that'll be, that'd be interesting to see. You want to get to some, uh, some listener questions here, or do you want to talk Dan Mullen, or do we have some listener questions about Dan Mullen? Um, <laughs> I was going to say, well, let's well, talk we the can... legendary team first, I guess. Eight four four FSU loan is the number to call. I believe we're at two hundred twenty five now. Uh, loans with the legendary team. Shannon and Chad just do an awesome job again. Eight four four FSU loan. It's knowledge of the uh, knowledge of the market. Customer service, great rates. Winning combination. Find out why so many NOLCast listeners and NOLCast hosts as well uh, have decided to make the legendary decision, 844-FSU loan. Give them a shout. And they, they were sweating that game just like we were on, on, on the group text as well as our, all of our other sponsors. Because <laughs> um, you could see it. Dabo's doing dumb stuff like kicking yeah. those field goals. And, 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 and Clemson's just not playing super sharp, and yet they're still driving the ball on you. It's like, man. Like you can't find a way to hold that team to 20. You can't play above your head as a defense. Uh, they, they did make some adjustments. We'll get to that. I think Trey asked about it. I'll, I'll discuss a couple of those uh, then. But um, let's go in. You, you want to take Adams first? Yeah, man. Uh, Adam asked buy or sell that this year's Clemson team beats Florida State's team by four or more scores. Uh, I take it that he means, okay, buy or sell. This year's Clemson team beats last year's Florida State team by four or more scores. Oh, that's a fun question. Um, hmm. Let me pull up my pull up my ratings from last year, and I'll, I will actually tell you. So is it uh, is it classifying scores as 12 points or more or 28 mm-hmm. points or more? You no, know, it's, I, it's, I, I think a score has got to be a touchdown. Um, yeah. Um, so let's say 28 plus. Yeah. I'll personally sell that idea. I probably also sell kind of fine here looking for my week. Well, last year, all the weeks were, were messed up. Remember? Like they yes. didn't, they didn't count, or, or not that didn't count, but like, like we didn't have the preseason. So, week ten for twenty twenty, as I'm as I'm looking at this live, it's not the same thing that I had for week ten, for uh, for last year. Um, no, um, but if it's in Clemson, I would have had Clemson twenty six. Neutral field, like 24. Last year's Clemson versus – or uh, this year's Clemson versus last versus year's last Florida year's State. FSU. Yeah. FSU's made strides. No, they certainly have. They're they definitely a better have. team. I They're just going in the right direction. don't know that 
last year's Clemson or uh, the this year's Clemson beats anybody by thirty. I'll put it that way. Um, that's fair. That's that's certainly fair. Um, last year's defense was real bad though, and the offense was pretty crappy. I mean, NC State was like garbage time in these guys in the first half last year. I mean, there were there were a number of games where it was just not. I believe we recorded an instant reaction podcast in the third quarter last year, so I uh, yeah, <laughs> I do remember true. that. Uh, yeah, but just just to revisit last year, uh, that was yeah, that was painful. It, again, last year, like this team is so much more competitive than it was last year. Last year, post game win expectancies per Connolly, two percent, zero percent, ninety five percent. That was Jack State. Uh, mm, be nice to have that one this year. Uh, <laughs> One percent, thirty-five percent, zero percent, four percent, three percent, and then ninety-nine percent against Duke. After not playing for like a month with COVID, remember that they played on eleven fourteen, and then they played on twelve twelve. Yeah, was you basically really had to call game. in favors and threaten Duke to play a football game. So, um, so we'll take it. I mean, this year they have not had those games where they are just totally non-competitive. If you look at the entire box score, now I would argue. That the Louisville thing, I think Louisville kind of packed it in in that game. I know other people don't, but like you're basically dog walked by halftime, and then all of a sudden Louisville, you know, lets off the gas. Uh, Wake, kind of the same thing. But even so, FSU doesn't have any game here in the single digits. Now they were 19% post game against Clemson, that was their worst performance of the year overall. Allegedly, right? If you, but I, again, that's just one metric you can look at. I know another right. one had him, I think, 22% or 24% or something like that. So, I mean, regardless, thoroughly outplayed, not dominated, not just wiped off the face of the map like they were last year by so many teams. I mean, they were lucky to lose by three to Georgia Tech last year on a down and down basis. Right. They weren't right. competitive. Yeah. Miami yeah. beat them 52 to 10. 52 to 10. Notre Dame beat him 42-26, and that was with Notre Dame like fumbling punts and kickoffs. Right? Remember that? Uh, and Terry yeah. having like the one decent game of the year. Yeah, and, letting and, Terry have his, his uh, one NFL highlight of the year, uh, or at least highlight game. Uh, second question from Adam says, if you have to move Travis J, do you move him uh, to your choice of wideout, safety, or try to add 10 pounds to him and play him closer to the line of scrimmage on defense? Yeah, I, I definitely don't think he's a linebacker. Um, if you want to try him at wide out, okay, sure. Um, haven't had a whole lot of success developing some of these product, like project receivers right now. <laughs> I was going to say. Thank you. Took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, this, For whatever reason, we don't seem to be developing a whole lot of wide receivers in general, so I don't know that moving somebody mid-career is necessarily going to work, although I'm willing to try anything. I mean, Jay's in a uh, – uh, next level athlete and for whatever reason it's just not working out right now uh, i don't know all the details behind the scenes but i'm gonna say that the you know kid has to meet the coaching staff uh to ultimately have full development out of an individual and probably both parties aren't doing what they're needed to right now to try to maximize an individual's potential yeah exactly i <clears throat> um i i don't know i i this is kind of the hot topic of Twitter right now. I just don't know if it's something that is like all on the forefront of the minds of the staff right now. I think they have bigger fish to fry. 
and I moving know. kids. Yeah, no, man. I yeah. mean, this is this not, ain't not mid season. This ain't NCAA dynasty mode where you just go in and change a guy's bio and have him have him be a, a wide receiver out of nothing. Um, so next question comes from ISO Dope. We've got some great listener names, and that's right up there at the top of the list. ISO says we were the first team to give up 20 points to Clemson since NC State in overtime. I just don't see Fuller as the long-term solution at defense coordinator. I feel like the overall progress the team has made will give him a pass into next season. In your opinion, does Fuller deserve another season? Is still is there still momentum in the program to make a move at defense coordinator after the season? So I think that the uh, the attitude of coaches is always going to be one of recency bias to look at how the team evolved over the course of the year. You know, how did you make adjustments? How, how did you improve week to week? And from that standpoint, I think the defense has improved some week to week. I think that's a dangerous thing to do. I think discounting what happened early in the season is not smart. Those games count as well in my mind. And I would make a change to defense coordinator. I don't think you can forgive the Jacksonville State thing. I also think that from a political capital standpoint, if they only win one or two more games, you're going to miss a bowl. Why'd you miss a bowl? Well, because your defense was not playing the coverage that you said they played in the press conference pretty clearly, right? You're going to have to have a sacrificial lamb there. That's kind of how these things work. So, um, yeah, I I, uh, I would evaluate the larger sample set, which is the entire season on defense. And I see a defense that even like the most favorable metrics say is 49th in the country and some think is more like 60 or 70th uh and i would make a change i don't think you're getting enough out of the position and i'm okay being a lone guy on that well yeah um do you think that they actually will though i think if mike norvell wants a new defense coordinator he'll get one yeah i do that uh, i agree with yeah i think it'll ultimately be his decision and that Norvell still holds enough uh, cachet with people to have some support in trying to make that move. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a limited budget. So here's the narrative for you, right? Miami loses DR King. Are the boosters who matter going to realize that the, the, the kid Miami is playing quarterback right now is throwing the ball really well in Van Dyke? And just went up there and put a thirty burger, you know, thirty something on on Pitt, and also put thirty something on on NC State. Because like he could drop forty something on you with with, with how with how you give up the explosive pass. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you hold into the twenty four, that's not a bad defensive effort based on how Miami has played in recent weeks. Is that going to be seen as as successful, or is that not going to be seen as successful? It's a good question. I, I don't, uh, you know, obviously I can't pe- speak to individual people's perspective, but uh, I would agree that there's an opportunity to play decently well against Miami and have the perception of what you should have done, not pair up with the player that uh, their quarterbacks turning into. Um, I think you got about a hundred points left in this year. You give up more than hundred points. I think people rightfully should be pretty, pretty dissatisfied. Yeah, that's Kind Simple enough up. measurement for us to uh, follow throughout the rest of the year. Uh, Logan says Dan Mullen doesn't want to talk about recruiting, but I do. 
Do you think it's more realistic that a few other teams, hopefully Florida State, but from what I gather, that's probably not realistic yet, catch up to what Georgia and Bama and whoever else you put near them are doing as far as allocation of resources and recruiting sometime in the future? Or do you think it's more realistic that there will always be a few schools at the top of the recruiting world and we won't see much parity anymore? I'd like to hope that if the Georgia Bamas of the world consistently dominate college football for a while, that it could create a shift in how much schools focus on recruiting. We could have much more parity in national championship contenders, but another part of me feels like Georgia and Bama would just dig deeper into their pockets in that case in an effort to stay on top. Okay, so I do think Florida State could get back to that level. Uh, I don't think anybody out there right now is doing a tremendous job recruiting without some level of, of winning, right? And, and some proof of concept. Uh, if you want to talk the Mullen thing, it's so weird, man. I, I said this on cover three today, but to expound upon it a little bit, um, I've had to like manually adjust Florida down in my numbers. And I know other people have as well. Like Connolly has them as a top 10 team still. On a down-to-down basis, they're playing well. And they've played the two best teams in the country in Georgia and Bama. And they played they played Bama to a, to a two point conversion, and they played Georgia honestly head up pretty damn evenly for about the first twenty seven minutes of that game, until they just went totally nutso with, with turnovers there. And if mm-hmm. if you if you went to the bathroom a little bit early and you came back, you had to think there was some kind of scoreboard malfunction. It was three nothing with what four minutes left, and then it was twenty four nothing at the half. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were extremely unlucky against Kentucky. They committed 15 penalties, I think almost all of them offense, and had a kick blocked for a touchdown, which, again, not repeatable skill for the most part. Otherwise, you'd see teams block and return touchdown kicks all the time, and they just don't do it. Uh, I think the like the magnitude of the picks they threw against LSU in terms of how long they were returned for, also pretty damn unlucky by my numbers. But, yet, I think there's something going wrong in Gainesville a little bit. And I've had like just use some common sense and adjust my – my math numbers down a little bit to avoid betting on them every single week. Um, because Mullen teams typically don't play quite like that. So I wonder if something else is going on. And then I, I hearken back to the days when I was on PAPN with Stephen Godfrey and Godfrey was always like, man, Mullen, like he would have a job by now if he just wasn't such a bad interviewer. Like, mm-hmm. like you go, you can see why he, he didn't get Tennessee twice and didn't get Miami and didn't get some other spots. And ultimately, the guy who hires him in there at Gainesville is somebody who doesn't really need to sit down in an interview process with him because he was his AD for eight years at Mississippi State and knew the guy was a pretty good coach. Uh, but he may have underestimated the recruiting transition it would take for uh, for Mullen to have more recruiting success in Gainesville. And we've said this before, right? Florida State is down. Miami is down. Mullen should be kicking their ass, and he is just not. FSU is actually beating him in recruiting right now. You know, who knows how they'll, they'll both close. Uh, it doesn't seem like Florida has a whole lot of momentum right now on the recruiting trail. Not that any school in the state really does. Uh, but, you know, when, when you got a recruit who's a double gator legacy and committed to you saying that uh, his style is, quote, kind of standoffish, you know, that's maybe not not great. And... You can see how Mullen says some stuff today in the press conference where after the press conference, Florida cancels all media availability for the rest of the week. That is an interesting Players, move. coordinators, yeah. 
Like that, that's a sign things are going well, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and even if like his point is is not wrong. Yeah, right now, for the most part, he's focused on the season. But the way he said it was just it was silly. You you have to have a PR pro there and who you actually have to listen to. I'm sure Florida has one. They have SEC money, right? Like, like I'm sure they have somebody who can tell them, Dan, you're gonna get asked about recruiting today. A good response would be like, look, we have the Gator standard. We always need to make sure recruiting is in tip-top shape. I look at every every aspect of this organization from the top down, blah, 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 blah. Okay, something like that, right? Just pay some fan service to it. Get done with it. Instead, he's like looking at this ID to say, like like to, to cut the collar off, who's on the, the media Zoom call, and he's like, no, I'll, I'll talk about recruiting season when recruiting season rolls around, which is basically like it, it – We've said this before. I don't think that he emphasizes recruiting on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis, lives, eat, breathe, sleep it like a Cristobal does or a Saban or somebody like that. You know, Some of those guys that find a way to turn every single meeting into some kind of recruiting angle all the time. It's a particularly tough pill for Florida fans to swallow after Kirby Smart sits in the post-game press conference and basically says, I'm not that great of a coach. I just have the best players in the country because recruiting matters more than anything, and we recruit really well. And to have your head coach say that 48 hours later is probably a real tough thing to hear. So, um, do you no, think I mean, there's a reason he wants an NFL job. I mean, there's a reason yeah. that guy needs to be coaching on Sundays. He's he's not somebody that, uh, like you said, is, is going to – jump into the granular details of of recruiting at least at this point in his career and and really try to get after it. Do you think that Kirby was actually trying to subtweet him? Yes, I think I Kirby don't. was was putting salt in the wound. I do. But like why would Kirby do that? The last thing Kirby wants is for Florida to get some stud recruiter in there. He, he, I don't think he wants that. I do think Kirby is part of a generation of Georgia fans and players who got their teeth kicked in by UF for like 17 of 20 years and he enjoys letting UF know in a backhanded manner that they have kicked the uh the ish out of them on the recruiting trail for four or five years to the extent to where there's such a talent disparity so awesome um can FSU get back to that recruiting level yes uh I actually think it's more likely that more teams rise up and get to that level than it is that certain teams just run away and hide forever because at a certain point there is like diminishing returns on every dollar spent. And as the more TV money comes in, like now it, it may not be FSU. It might be other SEC teams or whatever. Uh, but I think you will have more teams that get closer to that level rather than just one or two teams and it'd be the same static teams run away and hide forever. So I think uh, there is a little bit of a soccer comparison to be made here. And I, I try to Let's use go. this very, very gently. I, but um, so Chelsea in the early 2000s was bought by a Russian oligarch. And I, th- I might have said this before on the podcast, but they had no problem going out. Say the say the running rate for a world class left back was 60,000 pounds a week. They were going to pay him 95 just so that they could go out, get the kid or the adult, uh, get him in, pay, reset the market. It happened with uh, Man City about 10 years later. It will probably happen with Newcastle uh, now that the Saudi state just bought that team and they're literally 25 to 30 times more wealthy than any other owner of an individual soccer team. 
uh, my recruiting comparison here is that schools do come on the market and reset the level for what it takes to get individual players, uh, or at least to be competitive. And Georgia did that about five years ago. Bama did that uh, about 12 or 13 years ago uh, when they started aggressively recruiting. Uh, Florida State has been involved at a higher level. I don't think they've ever, you know, at least not probably since the early 90s, kind of reset where it was to be competitive with kids. But uh, what you said, I think, is true. I think teams go out there, have a real burning desire for success, uh, achieve some level of recruiting success to which the booster class feels as though they've done necessary to give coach said components for success. And either success comes or it doesn't. Uh, Auburn will kind of be a little bit more fleeting when it comes to this, but Auburn does pop up, be really aggressive in recruiting, and then they tend to their window for whatever reason seems to fall back a little quicker than say the Georgia, the Alabamas of the world. Uh, but yeah, I think you have some of these schools who periodically realize the playbook to be successful and they will push that theoretical speed limit and uh, see if there's anybody else out there. And Georgia has kind of done that in the past four or five years. And as a result, they've put together uh, one of the more talented defensive rosters I've, I've seen in college football. That is very true. Like they're going to lose. I mean, I, there's a pretty good chance all 11 get drafted. We were talking about this the other day. Like that's a pretty ridiculous defense they have. And Georgia's recruited extremely well, but the chance that this is Kirby Smart's best defense ever is extremely high, right? Like you don't get, I know this is an FSU podcast, but you don't get defenses that, that are like this far and above the second best defense in college football very often. And they're, they're pretty far above. I know there were some guys on Willie's staff who had kind of been out of the deep South for five or six years, returned to it and could not fathom the difference in what it took to be competitive with an elite linebacker or an elite safety or something like that. Um, so uh, use that anecdote for as you will. Uh, one thing that I won't just throw out there fleetingly and let you guys decide how you want to do with it is my suggestions that congruity would be a fantastic pairing for your business. Uh, Matt Lewis has been great for us. Another guy that we were chatting it up with on Saturday and, uh, uh, really hoping for a different outcome with via text message, but Matt's been uh, been great for our partners uh, that he has uh, brought Congruity's <clears throat> standard of excellence to. And uh, whether it be help with payroll, HR, application, termination, uh, Matt and his team do a fantastic job and we strongly suggest would be nothing uh, but a great asset for you. CongruityHR.com is the website. Uh, if you want to reach him directly via email, it's Knowles at CongruityHR.com, or you could always email the Knollcast or uh, hit me up on Twitter if you want to discuss uh, how you guys might be able to be introduced in a uh, less formal manner. All right, uh, let's go ahead and go to, let's see, James's question is kind of fun. James says, what are the odds of these QBs being the day one starter next year? He lists Travis, Purdy, Duffy, or if you prefer, what percent of next year's snaps will each take? Let's just go with the starter. Um, I'm not really sure on the snaps yet. This is just totally me spitballing. I will say Travis, 55%. Purdy, 
25% or 20% Duffy, 25%. Okay. Travis 70, Purdy 20, Duffy 10. Oh, okay. Interesting. So let's discuss. Is this a, I think Jordan Travis takes a leap as a passer? Or is this a, Mike Norvell thinks this gives him the best chance to win games, and in year three, Norvell is under pressure to actually win some games? Or is it, like, I don't really believe that the offense could be able to function as a true passing offense with Purdy or or Duffy, uh, given these current receiver set, or all three? Kind of what, what's your... What's your rationale there? Um, I don't think Duffy's a immediate plug and play starter. Uh, that's not a knock on the kid. Very rare of those. I do think Duffy will be starting um, in his second year. I think Travis uh, will continue to emerge and will be seen as far and away the uh, best component uh, that gives you the chance for success. A success that Mike will need to some extent next year and also a offensive line that is trending in the right direction, but is still going to have some really significant flaws and you're going to need to be able to, uh, I don't want to say the Travis smoke and mirrors, but you'll need some of the Travis diversity of attack uh, when it comes to what you try to limit defenses uh, as to what they can do. And you're going to, I think, continue to want to try to stay away from uh, very obvious uh, kind of 1v1 matchups on the offensive line. I think that's fair. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe I'm just, I'm low in experience. I, I do wonder at some point, like, do you need to start playing the offense that eventually you envision yourself playing? And that's a, one need. And then balancing the other need is also going to be important, right? You know, so... Like and that other need is like the need to maximize your chance to to win games. I don't think Mike Norvell should be on the hot seat. I think whether or not you thought it was right to fire Willie, clearly everybody in the room should acknowledge that like repeatedly only giving guys two or three years in the early signing period era is a mistake and will lead to continued roster screw ups, right? And you don't want to become like Tennessee on steroids here. So uh, that is a tough balancing act. I don't know what Jordan's upside is as a passer. Doesn't mean I think it can't be that. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm hopeful on Malik McLean and and Burrell and some of those guys and be able to chuck the ball around a, a little bit more. Um, maybe you go more true, more true multi QB system. But then again, Duffy's also a true freshman. You know, like you said, so that's that's possible. And I guess we'll see what happens with Purdy. Um, but I don't think based on the play right now, if you see better offensive line play next year, which is possible, uh, and better receiver play, I, I don't I don't know that anybody has the job 100% locked up. Obviously, neither of us uh, think that's the case. Justin comes with the next question. He says, was there anything we can attribute to all the Clemson offsides calls in the first half? Was it something we were doing at the line to throw them off? I actually don't know the answer to this. But it's a really like clearly FSU with cadence was was messing with them, and it, it had to be some good self scouting, right? That FSU noticed something that either self scouting that that they they took something they normally do and did it differently, maybe with how Jordan called the signals, or 
maybe it's something they noticed with Clemson and uh, and got those guys to jump. I actually don't know the answer on this. Did you pick it up? I wanted to ask, um, and I haven't had a chance to speak with an individual that would know the answer to this. To me, it seemed like there was a longer delay from some of the keys that they've used to snap the ball previously, whether it be Jordan snap or uh, some of the cadence immediately following that. So it, it looked to me like there was a, um, <clears throat> there was a different setup that was very intentional. Um, so uh, I, I don't know that they necessarily thought they would, what were there five of those in the first half or four, at least I think uh, that they would get that, quite uh of a response to it but it, it did look like they toyed a little bit with uh with some of their pre-snap stuff um traveling snowman ask us pretty much again another elite name that we have uh, a very similar question to question number two surrounding travis jay um yeah uh we've we've discussed jay it it <laughs> Uh, to say it hurts my heart is a little uh, a, a little over dramatic, but it's uh, it's frustrating that Jay hasn't had the year that uh, that some thought he would have. So Trey sends us a question that we referenced earlier. Trey says, "Trying to understand the defensive performance versus Clemson. How do you reconcile Clemson having an opponent-adjusted 35th offensive rank coming into the game, and that Florida State was the second worst defense that Clemson has played?" With Bud's comment on the instant that Fuller in the FSUD did not have a good game defensively. I could be wrong, but those seem to be a little bit uh, contradictive of each other. I showed the YPP was 5.09. If correct, was that in line with your expectations? And if so, is that just not good enough, uh, even with the current roster? Yeah, I th I think Trey brings up a really good point here. Um, so... I guess it's not really below expectation. It's that it, it was what I expected. It was worse than what everybody else expected. I didn't see anybody out there at all predicting Clemson to score 30 points. And that's just not good enough, in my opinion. I, I think that's what it comes down to, right? Is I'm not saying that this defense is better than what it is. I'm saying it should be better than what it is in year two. Um, you have better talent than you do on offense. And the offense is a lot better than the defense. Are there any but adjustments? I, I understand. Yeah, they did make some good adjustments. Yeah. In the second half, I thought they took more risks and blitzed a lot more, actually. Uh, they changed how they were playing some of the, the Clemson read stuff, which is a good adjustment to make. I don't think this staff isn't capable of making adjustments. I would like to see them come out, actually, and not be always playing from behind defensively. Like Other teams are getting the jump on them pretty consistently early in these games. You know? And I mean, Clemson had 250 yards of offense in the first half. That's a whole game for Clemson against a lot of other defenses. Mm. You know, it, it, why can't this staff come out and out scheme somebody in the first half? What, why can't they do that? And then I don't, I don't like to ask questions like, do you really buy into this defensive performance? Cause I don't know, man. Like they gave up 35 in the first half, but they did such a great <laughs> job with these defensive adjustments in the second half. Yeah. I'm sure that's really come on. You know, like like we all know that was like pseudo garbage time in those games. And the numbers pretty much each successive week, I think, prove that out. But to Trey's point, no, I should not have. I guess I shouldn't have said they played below expectation because that was my expectation. That they would give up 30. And they did only get a stop on a third of the drives, which is not enough against Clemson. But 
I don't know. That's a tough question. You see what I'm saying? I, I, should you be negative if what you think happens happened? I guess you can be if you don't think that it should have happened, even though you thought it would happen. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fair. a lot of happens. That's fair. A lot of happens. A lot of happens. A lot of things that we've had to evaluate and try to figure out why they happened. Um, Bobby asked, do you think Jordan Travis has progressed enough to run the offense the way Mike and Kenny would like to run it? There was a period where Travis was thought of as more of a stopgap for bad line play, but seems uh, like he could be a legit quarterback uh, come the 23 season with the line and the wide receivers that are coming in. Can't help but think that a two-minute drill with Destin Hill and Hunter stretching the field with Travis taking easy yardage would uh, with the run would be harder to stop. Um, no, I, I, I still think he's probably the guy you go with because you lack blocking and, and receiver talent, to be honest. Uh, if you just had somebody who was a drop-back distributor in this offense, I think it would be a disaster right now. We, we kind of saw that with McKenzie, right? It doesn't mean he can't become better as a passer. I also don't think that next year's receivers are going to be super refined, even though they they will almost certainly be more talented, de- depending on what you get in the portal, obviously. But it may be hard to recruit a really good portal receiver with the offense you're running. I mean, the best game they've had this year was UNC, and they threw 13 passes. Doesn't your leading receiver have like 14 catches on the year or something? I mean, there's, there's yeah. some This there's is some not going to be an offense you want to come tough. to if you're a receiver transfer, right? I mean, like, think about it. What What is – you be Mike Norvell, I'll be a transfer receiver who is wanted by, I don't know, Auburn, South Carolina, Miami, like not Bama, Georgia. Like somebody who maybe our, the fans would think FSU you can get. What What's your pitch to me? It's all Memphis, right? It's all Memphis. Um you said that our leading wide receiver this year has 220 yards and you don't want me, I don't want you to hold that against me. I want you to use that as an example of how desperately we need you. And I legitimately think you could probably put 220 up in a game. Uh, Ooh, okay. Who's my quarterback? Jordan Travis. And he's going to create a lot of unique opportunities for you on busted plays. And we'll also uh, try to dial up some long shot plays with you. Okay, I, I like long shot plays. Uh, I, how, how many, how many catches do you think I'll get, Coach? Well, you know that's tough because our leading receivers right now have 14, 13, and twelve catches respectively. So, per game? Uh, unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, that's oh. over. That's over the course of the season. But again, this really comes into where uh, we desperately want somebody like yourself. Uh, now we did have a true freshman in Malik McLean. And he's had a uh, a decent year, uh, but we think we compare you, Malik, and some other uh, fresh blood that we have coming into the program, and uh, really kind of reset both the uh, the interior and, and uh, expectations outside the building as well. Gotcha. Uh, do I have to block a lot? We, we run a lot of our routes off play action only, or, or is there like regular dropback stuff? You see my yeah. point here? Eventually, we'll they need to, to get block. into their offense. They want to run. Like, you can't have the stop after offense going forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's going to be tough to be appealing to a wide receiver. You've got to get Hill in, develop him. <clears throat> Maybe that's a place where you feel like you could put another collared shirt uh, on the roster as far as the development, somebody that can really work with wide receivers because um, – 
it's just not not working out fantastically well. At the same time, Dugans is a a decent coach and a can be a very good recruiter and somebody that you probably need to hold on to for continuity stake. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. Um, all right. So your leading receivers, bud, two hundred and twenty yards, two hundred and twenty yards for Helton and Wilson, respectively. Parchment has two hundred nineteen. <laughs> They're very balanced. They that, are balanced. Yeah, we're yes. very balanced. I like to spread the football around quite a lot. Uh, Parchment, uh, he's sporting that fifty percent catch rate. So, not, according not to this, Treshawn Ward and Treshawn and Jayshon have both caught more balls than your wide receivers have. Now, some of that's that stuff that they were doing with Milton, where they were you know throwing the ball eight inches forward. But yeah, uh, your Ward has fourteen and Corbin has sixteen catches on the year. You have solid backs. Backs who were, let's remember, by the way, here's the other thing about playing Jordan. Backs who didn't do a damn thing when you had when you had McKenzie Milton in there mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Like one of the reasons why those backs are having success is because defenses have to respect Jordan's legs so much. Unless you can just whip the entire offensive line like Clemson did, and then you don't have to show respect for anything. But they still did. Like they were trying to keep him in the pocket and used a more controlled rush and just really did not, did not allow them outside on some of the spin moves. So. Obviously losing was a tough pill to swallow, but seeing Clemson just kicked the ever living hell out of five offensive linemen with three men in the final five minutes of the game was a harsh reminder as to kind of where you are and what happens to you when you are a predictable offense. LTR man, long-term rebuild. All right, so final question, and this is one that we are just kind of merging because we had about five or six different people ask us about the special teams in general. Um, it's fr- it's frustrating as hell. I mean, I, I feel like I personally, and I know others have as well, I'm not trying to monopolize this, but I feel like I've personally been ranting about Florida State not catching the ball since McFadden Travaris McFadden was the punt returner in what 17. Um, yeah. So there was a kid who I grew up with. I would not call him a friend of mine, but a kid who I grew up with, he was a Woodward. He ultimately transferred to Marist and he was a, he, punt, he returned punts at Georgia tech and he was a white kid, high effort. His dad was a pretty accomplished football player. If you're older and the name Randy Rhino catches your catches your ear, I think he was an all American at Georgia tech. And this was this kid's son. He returned kicks, he returned punts at Georgia Tech for three years. And again, this is not the expectation of everybody, but just as an example, that kid returned punts for three years, and he didn't catch one ball in the three years that he returned. Um, I don't understand the institutional okayness with letting punts bounce. Um, For a team and for a sport to where, there's all these efforts to try to maximize, you know, every yard you can get, every possibility. I think we probably gave away 45 yards on Saturday just by letting the ball hit the ground. Uh, there have been some great articles. I couldn't find them before we uh, started. But like in the NFL, you can pretty much chop down to what teams are spending per yard. I know that uh, in the receiving game, the NFL teams two years ago averaged – I think $4,600 spent on every yard gained in the pass game. That doesn't mean a damn thing to Florida State fans, nor should it. I'm just giving you a reference as to the fact that you're playing a sport 
that is highly competitive, highly commoditized to an extent as far as what you can get out of it and what your matchups are. And you're going out and giving away a large swath of the field by seemingly not instructing kids to catch the ball whenever possible. And the the final punt, I know, would have been really hard for Ward to catch, but you've got yeah, to Yeah, that's up. the one I was going to note. You is... can't let it just bounce. You can't let the ball just bounce like as you to want bounce. it to. Yeah. It's wild. It's, it's really wild. It's kind of a line drive, though, like like – when I was watching it and, and it's, it's not to the side he was anticipating, I don't think. And like, I, I did not think he could have caught it in the air, but it, like how many yards could he have saved? I guess by trying to pick it up like five or six yards, maybe like it, that one, I, I think is tougher. The other ones, and I know it was windy, but our guys, man, and watching it, it doesn't look like they actually get a great read on the ball. And if you like, can like air traffic control it. it if you can do this and point to where the ball is going to land, you need to catch the friggin' ball. I mean, I, I just, I don't understand it. Uh, and it is baffling to me that as an institution, there doesn't seem to be an expectation that the punt returner catch the punt. Yeah. Um, so FSU and punt return efficiency this year, basically like punts against, it may surprise some people that they are actually not, at the bottom of the country. So they're 63rd where they've been really bad, which I didn't see as much of in this game for the most part, because Clemson does have a big leg kicker. Uh, their kick return efficiency is 90th in the country. Like they, I don't remember you even trying to return a kick. Did you? That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I think you just knelt them all. Or, or you just didn't here. catch them. Yeah, most of them you just didn't show an interest in. in well, because the kid boots the ball into the end zone like every time. Uh, let me see here. Drive started 25. How did you get it? Kickoff 25, kickoff 25, kickoff 25, kickoff 25. Kickoff 26. How did they want the 26? Did they? Uh, maybe after Clemson's last touchdown that or non-defense touchdown maybe they return to the 26 possibly okay possible or somebody put a typo in the stat sheet one of the mm. <laughs> one of the two <laughs> i i actually can can determine this uh rather quickly here on the show it is so fsu scores on, on that yeah treshawn ward returned to the 26 okay uh in prior games, however, the return decisions were pretty lacking, and then the blocking that was parlayed with those return decisions uh, was lacking even more so. But I agree with you, man. Like th this offense is not good enough right now to be putting it in bad positions after your defense forces a rare punt. You know, it wasn't like they forced that many punts in this game, so there are very few examples, honestly. Of, I mean, how many times did Clemson punt? Three. Yeah, that I can think of. Did um, they catch any of them? Oh, I don't think so. Okay, like that's another point here is no, they had to punt it four times, I think. Well, because they had the punt right before the half. Okay. You remember talking about the like the yeah. one where it's like, why isn't Dabo trying to score here at all? Right. Type thing. Because then FSU had had the ball. You run uh, the one play, take a loss, and you run yeah. the clock out. Right. Right. Okay, so 
they had three, let's call them like more competitive punts, I guess. And were they actually able to field any of them? I, I probably not. Oh, not not fielded here. Uh, Forty nine to the eight. Fielded is is that is that even a word? It is. Uh, all right, and then we have another punt. Um, this is the one right before the half. So w- the one right before the half, Ward did return eleven yards. So then, but that was obviously the one that was, like we said, not really a, in, in a competitive time. Clemson is probably just trying to prevent you from actually like having a, a house call mm-hmm. at that point. Uh, fair, okay. Another punt here. The one before the half, actually, just as I as I recall, this was probably the most coordinated look that I've seen out of the punt team at matching up with a man at line of scrimmage. Like I thought, oh, you might actually be able to get a decent return here because it I was obvious they were trying to, like, they were, like, they were trying to set something. something up. Yeah, yeah, like when they were jumping around, I was like, okay, they're either trying to confuse Clemson's protection or they're really trying to set up angles here on this return. I think you're right. Uh, and then. Uh, yeah, punt to the 19, no return. Uh, and of course, then punt to the nine, no return. That's not great. That is not great. Um, however, Puchas is a really good recruiter. So, and his defensive ends are playing arguably the best football of any position on the team this year. I think Papuch is a very good coach. I, I think you need to do a full rethink on what you're doing with special teams. Specifically uh, with the return game. Everything else is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, like their punting is tremendous. They cover punts really well. The field goal team is not that bad. Like it's certainly improved from what it was last year, knock on wood. Kickoffs are okay. They're not great. They could have more, more touchbacks there. Um, mm, you, 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 I have some complaints with how you, I mean, not necessarily, I'm not saying that I know more about that guy schematically is covering kickoffs, but you you let kids have uh, returns against you in the kickoff game that they don't otherwise have. It would, it would seem Uh, I'll go back and take a look at that and make sure that I'm not just firing off, uh, you know, impartial first person experience of what happened last weekend and others, but well, and, and UMass, I mean, you gave up more more yards in the return game than I, I think you did in their offense in general. It seemed like uh, so. Do you yeah. want to hear a, uh, a very 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 funny tweet? Always. Mike, Mike, all right, Mike Bianchi tweets. Georgia better enjoy this victory over Florida in the world's largest outdoor cocktail mm-hmm. party uh, or talent discrepancy party rather. Uh, once Dan Mullen starts recruiting Kirby Smart's level, the tone of this rivalry will change dramatically. My column from the cocktail party. Now, Signed 2018. Yeah, it was. But however, if you wrote this in 2021, the satire on this would be tremendous. Like, <laughs> wait, wait, wait till Mullen starts recruiting. This yeah, guy's exactly. love. That would be that would be a wonderful piece of satire. Yeah. Oh man. Um, and we're at an hour and ten. This has been fun. Yeah. Yeah. I like well, it doesn't feel like work. You know, we we're just talking. No, about it stuff. was uh this has been enjoyable. I, I thoroughly enjoy the vast majority of these podcasts that we do. Uh, At least opportunity to win games. on Saturday. You didn't get it. Be fascinating to see how this team finishes. I mean, it could, uh, I think it's very possible that you only win one more game this year. Uh, we'll have to see 
what happens. At the same time, I think this is a uh, competitive team, or at least should be to an extent in all of these games. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to learn a whole lot more about this team and the overall trajectory of the program, and that will carry on starting on Saturday. So, uh, Bud, in case you've got anything else that you want to throw out there, I'll uh, thank our – Thank our listeners uh, for the Table Restaurant Group, our producer, everybody that makes the the podcast possible. If you get the opportunity to give us five-star reviews, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Like and subscribe on YouTube. We'll be back later this week with a, uh, you know, if anything else stands out from us from the Clemson game, we'll bring it up in general. But obviously the focus of uh, the future pod will be on uh, this Saturday's NC State game. All right, buddy. I'll see you next time.